All right, what up? Welcome to Midwelly Podcast, episode 73. I am Stuart Anderson, and this is just a short introduction before we hear from Ryan Welch. Grateful for him and Mr. Chris Harmon for joining me on this episode. Really fun to interview Ryan and hear all of his thoughts about training, about racing, and about his life as a cyclist on the Midwelly team. So super grateful for him, thankful for his example, his friendship, and uh, you'll learn a bit about his secrets for winning Lodija this past year. So cool to see him come across the line first uh, in his category. And it's fun to hear about that race and the previous two races uh, at Lodija with Ryan. So grateful for him. Thankful for all he does to make this team better. Grateful for uh, we got a couple more in the pipe. We got a few more team members that we've already recorded podcasts with where you get to learn uh, who they are and, and obviously what they do as part of the team, but also in their own personal and professional lives. So thankful for everybody who spends the time to be on the podcast. It's a lot of fun to meet everybody and talk to everybody and kind of hear about what makes everybody tick. So enjoy. Thankful for Ryan. Grateful for Chris. And uh, hopefully this podcast is uh, one you enjoy. All right. What up? Welcome. Uh, Stuart Anderson here with two Look at the, I am just, this is new, is a new experience for all of us. Ryan Welch, Chris Harmon, greetings. Great to be here. What's up, everyone? Great to be here. These are, this is the first time, although we're 72 episodes deep, this is the first time for both gentlemen, so it's exciting. Yeah, oh, I feel awesome. Super stoked. This is my, my first episode I'm actually listening to, so I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, you you lined it up so we were coming as first-timers right after the TBD guys. That's a right. tough act to follow. <laughs> Chris is like... You guys are awesome. Oh, I started I started binge listening, so I knew what you were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you don't know, the three of us have really connected on Be Real. So if you're not on Be Real right now, you are missing the real life. Uh, I mean, this is the greatest next social media app. Am I wrong? Uh-huh. It's a revolution. I feel like we need to explain a little bit what it is for any listeners that don't know. Well, well, let's leave that to Ryan. Ryan, go ahead. Oh, yeah. All right. So Be Real is the latest craze amongst all the youngins. (laughs) If you're watching, you can see Stuart just put up his uh, Be Real that he just took of the three of us on the pod. So basically, (laughs) at a random time throughout the day, it will um, pop up on your phone and say it's time to Be Real. And so you'll have like two minutes to pull your phone out pop open the app and it will be uh, a simultaneous photo of what's in front of you. And then a, 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 a selfie, right? So, so you see your face and you see what you're doing and it's really fun. So no, I love fil- it. no I filters. Fun. You can't, oh, yeah. you, you can't pull from like the camera roll. Nope. Gotta no. be real. <laughs> as real as possible. As the, as the name implies, it catches you in the moment. You share what you're doing right then and no filters or anything to pretty it up. The, the best other- is when you catch a friend who you know, waited for a couple hours to post one. It's like, uh-huh. oh, you were being fake. You're like, oh, you're fake. Be fake. You wait, you waited for something <laughs> cool. That's fake, man. That's fine. Chaw's on it. Chaw's very real on Be Real. I love, <laughs> I love Chaw's Be Reals. They're so funny. <laughs> it's so real. Coach Andy's on there. Andy Compass is on there. If you haven't added him, very good. Um, who? That's about it. I mean, that I follow my kid. I mean, yeah, Boss Dwelly, Mrs. Dwelly's on there. Oh, yeah, Mrs. Oh, yeah. Dwelly. Yeah. A lot of puppy pictures on that. <laughs> yeah. That's fun. Okay, uh, we're deep into uh, route hunting. Chris, it's going well. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, it's going so well. Yeah, I just love, I get so excited when I can post these new route completions every day and just wait for Dave Brenton's uh, response or comment. Oh, <laughs> but you rode uh, the in the islands this morning, but it's a closed, um, it's a closed world. How'd you pull that off? You know, I um, I did a little uh, little hacking into Zwift to ride worlds that aren't open on that day. It's a it's a little secret I can um I can share with anyone. But I need it. I gotta get it. I didn't know you could do that. You can recode the kind of the menu so that you can. And it sounds way more complicated than it is. You literally just put in one line uh, into the uh, into the script, and you're you're in, and you can just. Oh, I need it world you want to do so okay. i just got too many worlds in mccurry uh mccurry island that i just need or sorry routes that i need to complete so i just same had to do it yeah okay. well they added like 40 i swear they did. so many of them <laughs> well i opened up uh london chris on sunday there was two i thought i had london licked nope two more they added them PR, prl full what else they had, oh. dude have you done that still no i don't i don't I don't I mean, want to ever do it. <laughs> I mean, the PLR half or PRL that takes whatever, us yeah. to whatever hours. Yeah, about two hours. That's four laps, dude. We're talking eleven laps. That's messed and up. Up and down box and fox, right? Up and down box, just box, okay, eleven just times, box. and Ugh. then the, and then the London Loop. I mean, that's like a that's five fun. six hour. I don't think I don't. Well, I don't know. I never say never, but I don't see myself ever doing that one. The only I thought about the only way doing it is we could we could like go for a couple hours, go do something. I, I yeah. thought the same, and then come, come back. back. <laughs> go have lunch. Yeah, come back. Change bibs, guys. Let's do it. Let's commit. February. Apologize to our family. Sorry, I can't hang out with you this Saturday. I've got to go ride the second half of my Swift. That'll need, wake up I at need, like 3 a.m. <laughs> I need 3,000 XP points. So, yeah. Oh, All right. That was a good announcement. Route hunting. Very good. Oh, yeah. Uh, anything else? Stores open. Have you guys purchased next year's kits yet? You know, I've got um, some stuff out of the cart. Going with yep. those velocity bibs. I, I tried those out this year and I'm sold. So, I got to order yeah. a couple more. Okay. Yeah, right. I think this is the first time I'm ordering only Velocity without the black label, which is weird. Me too. Um, Me too. I just have always loved black label, but I, yeah, after the Velocity and Lodija carrying me for nine mm -hmm. hours, it was, mm -hmm. I'm converted. It's great stuff. I like the straps too. Oh, yeah. Uh, straps are money. Straps are good. Um, what else about the kits? Uh, that's it. Okay, yeah, stores open until the 9th. Uh, I'm going to wipe group me. So hopefully everybody gets their team fee in when you pay it. I add you to next year's. So uh, that's a good way to motivate, I guess. I don't know. Maybe you want to don't want group me. I don't know. I don't know. But how okay. would we, how would we get all the group rides? Got to get in there. Wait until you see. Oh, you did see it. Kirby's uh, team. Oh, team video. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so good. Just the cameo. Oh my gosh. Okay. All right. We are here to interview Ryan, me and Chris. Um, Ryan, we're grateful to have you on as a guest. Uh, I have a brief introduction by his wife, Ellen, an, an incredible, really very well written. She was nervous. It was too long. It, but she is an attorney. She is. What so she's a, a fantastic writer. Fantastic so writer. I haven't read it, but I have no doubt that it's great. So. Okay. I'll start. You ready? I'm going to read it. Here we go. I'm ready. If you ask Ryan's oldest son, Oliver, 
what he is doing at any given time. He's probably racing toy cars, yelling out, I am speed. <laughs> the apple must not have fallen far from the tree, as Ryan is usually doing the exact same thing. Just trade that toy car for a bike. Affectionately called the golden boy of his family. Okay, we'll stop oh, there. Boy. We'll oh, stop boy. there. <laughs> Tell us why. Oh, uh, I, I don't know. I just, uh, I was, so I grew up the youngest and uh, my sisters never really did anything too wrong. My brother was a little bit more rambunctious than me, but uh, uh, as the youngest, I feel like my parents had a certain image of me that I was able to maintain all growing up. And they just kind of started calling me the golden boy amongst themselves. So can we it, call uh, the, epi- can we call the episode that the golden boy? <laughs> if you want to, oh <laughs> man, I'm worried that'll oh, sting. I already got juice covered, so I'll take that. Nice. (laughs) All right. Ellen says that Ryan is the epitome of kindness. I agree. Joy and positivity. I agree. He grew up in Salt Lake City, went to Olympus. Dude, did I know that? You went to Olympus. till the end, baby. Titan pride, bro. After graduating, you served a mission in Bolivia where he developed a healthy fear of needles and a deep love of Spanish music. Why? What happened? Uh, I, I never loved needles. I've always been a little bit adverse to, to blood, but when I got to Bolivia, my first like two days, the government is kind of whacked out there. So they take a blood sample just for their records. And I pulled up and, uh, everything in your mind that you're picturing about Bolivia is probably true. Uh, it's, you know, pretty, pretty third world. And I pulled up to this clinic that was basically a shack and they pulled out this needle that I thought was rusty. <laughs> like I looked at it and I was like, Oh, that's a rusty needle. And so I, when they took my blood, I passed out like face on the floor, <laughs> like don't remember 10 minutes. And everyone that was there with me always was like, Oh yeah, that's the guy that, that, that passed out. So oh, no, dude. <laughs> since then I haven't been able to do like any shot I get, I like white knuckle clench Ellen's yeah. hand. And I'm just Freaking like, I, this is the worst. <laughs> okay. That is terrible. Chris, are you afraid of needles? Not like that. I've never had a bad needle experience. So, uh, no, I'm, I'm kind of impartial to them. What, if I need to t- get a shot, I'll get a shot. Kind of lucky. I had a friend growing I, up. I, I, it's a real deal. A lot of people have that. Okay. The deep love of Spanish music. You just jam into Spanish rap in your car. Oh, man. Come on. I mean, Come on. all of it. Half the time when I'm going. Oh, yeah. Half the time when I'm going up. Any of the climbs I just got. No. Daddy Yankee. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jay Baldwin. Guys, I'll jam it. We should do a Ryan Welch Spanish playlist with this podcast. That would be awesome. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah. All right. You obtained a bachelor's degree and a master's of, of accounting at the University of Utah. During college, you traveled all over the place, searching every corner of the world, looking for something high to jump off, a mountain to scale, the side of, or a giant party to attend. He's a CPA and now works as a financial analyst for Lucid Software. Met his wife, Ellen, after seeing a picture of her online creeper and insisting that (laughs) his roommate set them up, her roommate set them up, despite the fact that she had a boyfriend at the time. Look at you. Go get her. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. couldn't help it. Great. Not long after that, they were married in a small wedding ceremony in Paris. That's lovely. They have two boys, Oliver and Tommy, who absolutely adore Ryan a diehard Utah fan, despite being married to a diehard BYU fan. Interesting dynamic. Yeah. Yeah, It gets a little tricky. Does she ever go to the games? She goes to the games. Yeah. um, Luckily she's been uh, awesome in every turn and it's been very supportive. I've 
like to believe I'm slowly converting her, which is great. Okay. Okay. But uh, the 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 family is a little bit slower to convert. Um, they are they've got deep roots. Wow. Yeah. Scholarship sponsors. Oh yeah, like donors, the whole nine yards. Oh man. Yeah, it's bad. Nice. Tell a little story about that one later if we want. Okay. But... Okay. I don't know if this is a compliment, Ryan, or not, but she describes you as a golden retriever, full of energy, a friend to every person he meets, easy to please, and always happy. I mean, I love a golden retriever. Listen, it's the one of the best kinds of dogs. I'm Most not going to pa- say the best because yeah. some people, you know, but I have to say they're the best. It's a funny joke that actually kind of became uh, a, a thing. My in-laws just... Cause I try to come and be like the lighthearted one always, you know, nice. and just, just be kind. So they're like, Oh, you're just a golden retriever. I right. love it. All right. Ryan's never met a Canyon. He didn't want to climb a mountain. He didn't want to ski or a truck. He didn't want to take off-roading or a race. He didn't want to win. After being introduced to cycling in college, he quickly developed a healthy obsession. I think those are opposites, <laughs> by the way. I don't know if that's yeah. a thing. <laughs> His highly competitive, <laughs> Highly competitive nature mixed with grit and determination have given him an impressive start to what will surely be a lifelong career in cycling. He was introduced to Miduele early in his cycling journey and has found a community he absolutely loves being a part of. He's involved in many races, including three Lotijas, most recently a win. What up? <laughs> Despite spending an entire summer training with a newborn at home. That's true. Most early mornings, you can find Ryan in the saddle, climbing mountains and putting in the work and still always has time to whip up his famous French toast. Dude, what? I want famous French oh, yeah. toast. Oh, yeah. Never been it, uh, oh, come on over uh, every Friday. So my my two kids will I'll do French toast Fridays. It's kind of like tradition. It's always like they know they're getting French toast on a Friday, which my son, who's three, then says, that Friday is on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So it ends yeah. up being quite often. Nice. I mean, <laughs> my, my first memory of you, Ryan, I, and I can't remember if we met earlier than this, yeah. we were doing, we were doing Mill Creek. Do you remember this yeah. morning? You got two flats. <laughs> oh, dude. I saw, yes. And, and you, Chris was there. And I think you called your dad. <laughs> yeah, no, you know what that was? That was, uh, <laughs> that was the vert challenge week you remember that oh my god oh i it remember was, that yeah oh man I, I, and yeah, yeah. i i call i had no service so i actually had to use Jamison's phone uh-huh. uh called my dad because i was like i don't know what else to do my wife is definitely asleep it was like yeah it was early 45 yeah yeah and this was like already our third or fourth lap up to the winter gate because it was still mm-hmm. like april mm-hmm. so my dad comes i'm just sitting on the side of the road and my dad comes picks me up and then i pass you guys and yeah, it was it was it was a funny moment. It was the call of shame, but even worse because it wasn't to my wife, it was my dad. So well, the beauty of it was like I swear he was in like a just a beautiful black BMW <laughs> like seven series, just yeah, like I don't know. <laughs> Ryan was trying to like put his bike in this like, just in the awesome, trunk, like awesome <laughs> in the trunk and <laughs> uh, just pass you guys suckers. That was so funny. <laughs> Nice, Chris. You, I, I, are you friends? Were you friends with Ryan before the, before the team? No, I met Ryan uh, during yeah one of our team rides. It was probably 2019, if I remember right. I think it's probably when we both kind of started riding more regularly with the team. And so, yeah. But when you mentioned the the Mill Creek rides, Stu, that was I think 2020. But I think we had a funny experience too. Ryan just like had this bout of really bad luck, like getting flat. Oh. 
And I remember we were descending down Mill Creek. It was kind of at the top early in the season. It was so cold. And all of a sudden I roll up on Brian and he has a flat and I'm just like, Oh gosh, like uh, I didn't (laughs) want to stop because I'm so cold. And, you know, I could see that he he doesn't have a flat kit. Like he needs all this help. And it was like, you know, we, we spent probably five, 10 minutes getting it all sorted out. But after that, I remember telling Ryan's like, you need to get a flat kit. You need to learn how to change a flat. (laughs) So that, that was, that was like, I don't know, a year or two into my cycling life. Yeah. And yeah, I like didn't have a kid, didn't know what I was doing. Oh, it was, it was so bad. And so I look at Chris, I'm like, Hey dude, <laughs> you want to help me? And he's like, I, don't, I don't know this guy. And he's like, yeah, of course. Like, he, I mean, obviously he's <laughs> under undermining his contribution, but he was super nice about it. That was, yeah. One of my first experiences with Chris, cause yeah, I joined the team in 2019. And again, I mean, I'm kind of skipping forward here, but um, it was right around the same time Chris, you started riding more consistently and then Todd and I pretty much joined the same time. So it was, yeah, I, I was always kind of able to, uh, you know, go on the group rides and be less noticeable than the neon helmet and the ankle socks, but I was, you know, there. So <laughs> we'll dig there, Todd. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, Dude, it's great. It's the best. Maybe talk about, you've got some good notes here on how you got into maybe just childhood you know, your background, um, in sports and stuff. You want to start there? Totally. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, like my wife said in that intro, uh, grad or, uh, grew, grew up in Salt Lake city. Um, I, uh, I graduated from Olympus high school and played a number of sports. Let's see. I, I swam when I was little. So all growing up, I was on swim team, soccer team, baseball team, the whole nine yards. Um, and yeah, I swam for the JCC, which is the Jewish community center. So mm. it was a great time. Um, and that was kind of how I got into like more endurance sports, um, which uh, I didn't love at the time. I was always too cold in the mornings to get in the water. It wasn't as fun for me, but loved soccer. I loved football when I played and uh, played in, in high school. All of those except for soccer, I kind of let that one slide just because I didn't want to commit too much time to it while I was playing football. And um, I swam until my sophomore year, which I then just wanted to ski. I became a bit of a ski bomb, um, but uh, made little fun note I made um my time in the 50 free was good enough to get me to state my freshman year so my coach was really mad when I quit because he was like you know you got three more years of time here that you can do do good stuff and I just I just didn't love it but I think that was definitely my first experience with like more endurance based sports what was your time Um, what was your 50 time so I think it was I I think it was 24 ish seconds I want to say the state record at the time was like 21 um But yeah, I, I don't remember. It's too long ago. Okay. But yeah, so that was kind of, and then obviously everything else in high school. It's fun. Okay. Very good. Um, what else you got here? Did you miss anything? I always love fitness, college, <laughs> gym. What? Two hours in the gym? Just what? Getting biceps on? Oh yeah. Uh, it was always the focus for, you know, trying to look good in the gym. I, <laughs> I always have been more focused on like physical health and it's always been a big emphasis on me to, to feel my best, look my best. And it always would affect my mental state whenever I would perform in school or work or anything like that. And so it was kind of natural when I was introduced to something that I feel like takes a little bit more time in the mornings. Right. So, yeah. uh, I found myself in, in college, sophomore, junior year of college, just going to the gym at 10 o'clock before I was married, which, you know, single life, it's the dream. You just go at 10 o'clock when you don't have class. And spending, you know, a couple hours there just because I would run and then lift and do other stuff. Um, and then 
my, let's see, right when I was graduating, my brother-in-law was training for a triathlon and he and his dad had both bought bikes that they were going to use to train together. And, and sure enough, I don't think his dad really touched it that much. So he, he let me borrow it on a ride and I took it up immigration with him. And man, I, I've never experienced something that I just like clung to like that. Um, mm -hmm. That first ride up immigration was like, oh, this is it. Like, I love this. I want to do this all the time. And, uh, and eventually got my own bike. I think it was like a couple months later, I, 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 you know, took the dive into buying my own bike, which at the time of being a college student was a pretty big expense. Um, and just the rest is history. I just never put the thing down. So yeah, love it. Nice. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I, that actually brings back a pretty similar memory for me. Like I grew up mountain biking a lot. And so, I mean, I live really close to the mouth of Mill Creek. So pipeline was like my home court trail or whatever you want to call it. I, mean, I would ride that all the time. And I remember that first time I rode a road bike and just that feeling of like how much faster you can go and how much further you can go. I mean, it's like an unreal, like kind of just like, whoa, like this is awesome. Like, you know, I, and I fell in love just the same way. Uh, super, super fun experience. Uh, Ryan, I'm curious. Um, I mean, obviously you found the tri bike, you got into cycling. Um, but I mean, how do you find me dwell? how do you find the team? Cause I don't think we've ever talked about that before. Yeah. 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 I kind of just showed up. <laughs> um, no, I, uh, so, so once I started riding that bike that my brother-in-law let me borrow and then I, I bought my own, I don't remember how I got reconnected with Jess Clapier, but, um, he, he reached out to me and said, Hey man, if you're, and this is way before, obviously he was the, the crazy good cyclist. Now, I mean, he was good back then, but now he's another level. Uh, he, he asked me if I was interested in doing the Huntsman 140. Um, and <laughs> yeah, at the time, and he was only going to do like the hundred mile route. Right. So at the time to me, that was insane. Like, it was like, there's no way I'm doing that. So I turned him down. I think the next year he, he comes back and he goes, Hey man, this is for, I think he had, uh, you know, a family member that he was doing it for. And, and, and I was like, it's for a good cause, you know, I'll, I'll come ride it with you. And he shows up in a dwelling kit and I had heard of the team. I grew up playing soccer with Jason cook and, and had been familiarized with them just through like Instagram posts and stuff like that. So, um, I like knew and kind of had this image of what my was. And I remember thinking like, dude, these guys are legit. Like this is like the pinnacle of everything cycling in Utah you know, this is, this is, I can't believe Jess is riding with them, all this stuff. And I just, I was just kind of starstruck. So sure enough, we do the 140, but it was really the hundred length, a uh, hundred mile length. And then the next week he goes, Hey, you know, if you want to come to a group ride, let's, let's, let's go ride over together. Cause we were both in Mill Creek and sure enough, it was a Thursday little cottonwood hit that uh, oh, have become infamous no. on the pod. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, what the heck is this? Like, <laughs> so I, I show, I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Like, I think I'd done little Conwood maybe once at that time. My time was probably like two hours. <laughs> so I show up and I'm like, I'm like nervous, way nervous. Cause I remember I'm like, these guys are, you know, the end all be all of Utah cycling. And, uh, there's, you know, 15 guys. I remember Stu, you were there. Cause I had like seen, you know, your picture and stuff like that. Dave was there. I think AJ was there. I don't remember who else was there, but, um, Jason, Jake, a bunch of guys were there. I know Lang was there. And, uh, so, you know, the usual group ride, somebody says, let's hit it. And then it's just like guns are blazing, you know, switching from tasers to guns, to missiles, whatever it is that we, <laughs> that we say, and, and everybody takes off. And I'm like, Holy 
crap. Like, so I am heart rate 180, 190, just trying to keep up for as long as I can. Sure enough, get dropped like super hard. I reached the top right after or right before you guys took the photo. And I think I was like a different shade of purple in my face at that point, <laughs> but it was, uh, it was great. It was one of those experiences that, yeah, I feel like so many people have talked on the pod where it was a, it was a sharp special. So it's great. Nice. Wait, hold on, check out and see what I found. You ready for this? If oh, you're watching, if you're watching the screen, boom, there it is. Oh dude, that's one you don't have to show. <laughs> dude, That's like, that's like, that's awesome. Smith helmet, Smith glasses. Oh man, and I thought I looked so good. You did. Oh, come on. I feel like every cyclist starts out with those. The the Smith yeah. special. That was June fifteenth, twenty nineteen. Yeah, so, and then yeah. I think the next week, like end of June, was my first little codwood. Oh boy, hold on. Brutal. Let's just let's just hold on. Let's just take a look. <laughs> Dude, we used to so, really do little codwood a lot. Yeah, it, it was, was like every Thursday. Yeah. Oh well. Okay. Thursday. Nice, dude. You know, um, one thing, Rye, and I know your wife mentioned this in your introduction, which I love. Um, very passionate, um, which is so fun to watch, you know. And I never feel like when we ride with you, you're like ever dragging. She is a hundred percent true when she says that you are just like full of positivity. Um, and in a sport like this, it's tough to kind of keep that up. Maybe talk about for a sec, what draws you in? Like, why do you enjoy is what, what do you think that it is about it that draws you to it? Yeah. Um, you know, I think there's a couple of reasons. Uh, originally, if you had asked me, you know, in 2018, 2019, when I was first starting, it was to avoid dad bod. <laughs> yeah. I, I just wanted to avoid having that, that gut when I was in, you know, my forties, fifties and, um, you know, just, just remain, you know, physically healthy. And, uh, so that was like my first thing. I was like, Oh yeah, I hear this is really good to keep in shape. And then eventually it turned into this, this just obsession, right. Where it's like, this fills me with so many endorphins for the rest of the day after I ride, you know, I get to go out and I get to see these incredible sun sunrises and I get to enjoy time with friends. And, you know, I, I, I get to have so many experiences that I otherwise wouldn't be able to. Um, and, and honestly, I do believe that it's probably one of the most sustainable forms of exercise going into your later years. It's so awesome to see these guys in their sixties, seventies. And even I know guys in their eighties that are still out here doing it and, and, you know, just having a blast and, you know, they don't necessarily have the fastest times or really care about anything like that, but they're super healthy and they have been able to sustain it for 40 plus years. And, I think that's one of the biggest reasons for me is like the, the purest form of, of exercise is what I joke and say. So that, and then the experiences that, that I just continually have with so many friends that I meet along the way is, is what one of the reasons that I stick around. So, yeah. Nice dude. Yeah. So many, um, I, I can't remember if we're going to talk about this more, but you got a lot of groups, like a lot of, you're one of the, you're one of the cyclists who's like, you're connected with, uh, maybe a group from college and you're connected to our group. I mean, you've got a, a big feelers out there in the world of cycling, which is always fun to connect and spend time with dudes from multiple different places. So that's awesome. Yeah. Super fun. You know, I had the, I, I really feel really fortunate that I started at such a young age. You know, I got started when I was like 26, 27, 25. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, 
it feels like every year I have a buddy who texts me out of the blue and says, Hey man, thinking about getting a bike or I'm thinking about, you know, like getting into this, what do I do? And it's like, so I've been really fortunate to see, you know, a couple dozen of these guys who will get a bike, come on a ride and whether they stick to it or not, like, it's just fun to see, you know, them go through that progression. And I feel like because I started so early in my life, I've really been able to enjoy that. So nice. All right, cool. Uh, good. Excellent. Me dwell. Intro- I mean, that was, Chris, your introduction was very, very similar. I found that most people when they join when they join the squad, this is a great way is just like you transition in through a friend and they're and you kind of know what you're getting into and you're like, oh, okay, I'll come. And then we invite Dave Sharp to welcome you to the ride. <laughs> and it usually <laughs> so good. All right, cool. Um, let's see. Racing, riding, training, and lifestyle. Maybe let's talk about that for a sec. Um I mean, we're all super busy with family and whatever. Maybe talk about that for a sec. How you balance it? Yeah. 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 So, you know, it's, I feel like everything in life is just about prioritizing, right? And, and finding that balance is, is, you know, so delicate, just like everybody said in previous podcasts. And I, I really love some of the remarks from Nate, Shane, and, and Chris in the last podcast where, you know, it's always, uh, prioritizing what's most important to you, right? <laughs> Pardon me. Um, and so I feel like family and, and my responsibilities at home will always come first, right? Like that's kind of a no brainer. And um, I, I I always make sure that, that if there's anything else going on in my life um, that I focus on what I need to do before what I want to do. And I feel like cycling falls into the camp of what I want to do. Um, Mm -hmm. as much as I like to think sometimes that it's not, (laughs) um, but if everything at home isn't in the right place, I just don't go on the ride and I can't justify, you know, spending as much time as I do if, if things aren't right at home with my kids and with my wife. And so once that box is checked, then I get to do, you know, what I love to do, which is cycling and, and, uh, yeah, I do feel like a big part of it is I, I truly am a bit OCD in the sense that like I focus on certain things. I hyper-focus on certain things, you know, in my life, which one thing is, that I'm hyper-focused on is my family. And then cycling is another in my career. And so it's like when my attention's there, it's my whole attention. Um, and I can kind of compartmentalize that way. So nice, dude. Yeah. Great answer. I think for me personally too, I think they kind of feed off each other. Right. So, I mean, for me personally, like, I think I'm probably a better husband and a better dad when I have that balance of being able to have a little bit of time on the bike to focus on my mental health, my physical health and be out with my friends and same thing with work. And, and it seems like you do that really well, right? I mean, do you have any tips, tricks, advice on, on finding that balance? Um, Cause I do think that they feed off each other. And, and I think you have, obviously you've shared your priorities and, and you have them straight, but any other advice there that you could share for the team? Yeah. Um, I think, I think one piece of advice I would, I would say is just find a time that works for you and for your wife and and family, more importantly, your significant other, more importantly. Right. And, and if that time is, is at, you know, five, five in the morning, you know, unholy times in the morning that we decide to go on a ride, then, then great. You know, because if it were me, I wouldn't be able to get out at, at four in the afternoon or five in the afternoon, just because I know that that would have a negative impact. And so finding a time in which you can prioritize your physical health and 
in turn affect your mental health for the rest of the day. It really becomes a, a, a habit where your, your family and those around you notice that like, oh, he's happier when he's been able to be out on the bike or, you know, go hit a, a Zwift ride and, and then he can come back and work and, and be with the family. But uh, my wife has been awesome in working with me throughout all that. As she mentioned in the intro, you know, we had a newborn this year and uh, it was, it's always a juggling act when you have a new baby where, uh, you know, you've got to figure out how the sleep works and how everything else works. And, and she has always said, you know, I can take X, Y, and Z if you'll take, you know, ABC and that will give you time to, you know, get out on the bike so that you're happier and more healthy and can, you know, be someone that I can lean on while I'm recovering and stuff like that. So just making sure that communication is open with your family when you know you have goals and you know that they have goals and things that they want and being extra cognizant that your goals don't affect them in any negative way. Because once it does, that's when it just becomes too hard to sustain, in my opinion. Nice, right? Great advice, man. Very wise. How old are you? Jeez. <laughs> 29. Stop. No, you're not. Kirk, Kirk, Kirby will never let me forget it. He always reminds me that I wasn't born when stuff has happened. So <laughs> anytime something like that gets brought up, he goes, Ryan, were you even born for that? I'm like, probably, probably not. <laughs> That's good. All right. Uh, we added some rapid fire questions a couple of pods ago. You ready? I'm ready. Tell everybody what you ride. SL7. Uh, I bought it last year and I haven't gone, I haven't looked back. Uh, nice. it's, it's yeah, it's like the perfect bike in my opinion. <laughs> nice. And then uh favorite loop. We all know this. I put this in this is for you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it would be, uh, <laughs> I would be remiss if I didn't mention the PC loop. It's, uh, <laughs> it is the greatest loop that has ever been created. And let me just say doing it clockwise is the correct way to do it. I don't care what anybody says. But is that, is that the immigration route or is that the Parley's uh, penis punch route? <laughs> That's the immigration route. I, uh, okay. you know, actually funny. One of my first memories with the team outside of doing that little cottonwood hit was doing the Parley's uh, penis punch with the crew. It was like a Thursday morning and it was the day that Kristen got like three flats. <laughs> was you remember that? Oh yeah. I remember. It was, yes. it was my first PC loop I'd ever done. And so yeah. I didn't know what to expect. And so I'm going up Harley's like, we are going to die. Right. Uh -huh. Like, <laughs> and then Kristen gets flat number one. And it's like, okay, we're on an, we're on an exit and then flat number two and we're on the side. And then flat number three was like oh right gosh. at the peak. Right. It was, was like awful. right at the summit. And then we, we, we finally make it and we're trying to get back for work. It's like almost eight mm -hmm. o'clock. We're rolling into the Seven Eleven, And that was one of the times when Shaw, you know, created the name Cram. Cause he was like, let's go, you know, no and I'll never forget <laughs> Stu, you pulled up, you know, to the bottom of Marzac mm -hmm. and just bolted like a rocket. It was yeah. so, I just was like, man, this guy is hitting it. And I still <laughs> didn't really know you that well. Hold up, Brian. I got like, I gotta that, stop you for like you, you know at the beginning of Marsac when it's gonna just be super painful uh, is when Stu puts in those earphones and you're just like, <laughs> oh, yeah, let's go, let's go. The headphones the headphone are in. Comes in. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Little Spanish Every music, little Spanish, <laughs> little Spanish action. <laughs> you know, everybody, everybody's you know demeanor just gets a little bit more serious, and it's like, oh, this okay. is here we go. So yeah, it was great. <laughs> That's fun, dude. So PC Loop is my favorite loop, and it it always will be. Cascade Springs is getting up there, you know, going up Big Cottonwood and then coming up Cascade Springs. But 
Yeah, I think uh, me and Todd battled out for the for the uh, local legend of PC Loop this year. <laughs> Dude, you crushed a PC. You had an incredible PR from Deer Valley to the top of Guardsman this year, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a good time. I guess doing it enough will will get you that. <laughs> I mean, do you feel like that was like a real game changer? This like loop for loaded your training or were you just like, nah, it's a good loop. I just love doing it. Yeah. I mean, a little bit of both. Uh, okay. I, I jokingly am, am like, I can't let them know all my secrets now, but okay. Uh, okay. I honestly, I, I look at it and say like, this is the perfect loop on a Saturday because I still get home before 10. Like it's not, you're not out super late, but you're getting like 7,000 feet of vert and it's around 70 miles close to, I think from, from yeah. our house. Yeah. And so it's like, it is the perfect training ride if you want to just get your legs ready for a, a big day in the saddle in terms of getting hurt and then, you know, having a, a ride that's three plus hours. It's like you don't need to go do a 150 mile route. Just do the PC loop every Saturday and you're good. <laughs> Has somebody created a segment on Strava for mouth of immigration to mouth of big? We should we should like own that route, that loop. I feel like if you there's a mouth of Parley's to mouth of Big Cottonwood. There's a segment that we created. Um, Yeah, we don't have Emmy. Okay, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna make it. it. Okay, do it. Do this. Good. Okay. Um, What else we got here? (laughs) Skeeter bike. Okay, Skeeter biking. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, a couple years ago, I would have said skiing, right? But biking, 100 percent now. Yeah. Um, why, why am I supposed to ask what's your favorite color? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't ask that. Favorite color. Okay. Favorite place to travel? Uh, yeah, it's gotta be Europe. Um, Ellen mentioned in my bio that I did some traveling when I was in college. I, I just did some backpacking around Europe when I was, you know, single and just hanging in. It's a, it's a blast. And, uh, my recent obsession it's funny because somebody mentioned this on the ride on Saturday on Zwift that they were planning a Mallorca trip, but I am like obsessed with the idea of going to Mallorca at some point in the near future, probably seven years. <laughs> but uh, at some point, yeah, I, I would love to get a crew out and do that because it just seems like paradise. Nice. Yeah. Uh, how about tell us a little bit about your work? What do you do? Oh, yeah. So I am um, currently at Lucid Software. It's a startup company here in Utah. You know, it's, I still call it a startup, but there's like 1200 employees now. So, and it's established for, you know, 10 plus years at this point, but I guess it's still technically in the, in the tech startup space. Um, but, uh, I've been there for, you know, a little over a year at this point before then, like my wife mentioned, I got my master's, um, in accounting and got my CPA spent a few years at an accounting firm, one of the big four accounting firms called KPMG. Um, and, you know, it was a tough time for me. I got to say those those uh, years are kind of a, a you know, sweatshop. It's like a white collar sweatshop, basically. So they just bring you in, work you to death, and then spit you back out. I spent a couple of years Brutal. there and decided that accounting wasn't really for me. And uh, I knew I wanted to go to tech and have kind of more of an entrepreneurial mindset. Nice. And so I, I landed at Lucid Software and transferred from the accounting division over to finance. So now I do, you know, more analysis based on top line revenue and ARR numbers and um, just a lot, whole lot of numbers. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of numbers. <laughs> you're even crunching numbers on Zwift. I mean, you're our numbers guy. You know, it's funny because 
<laughs> it's a joke now that I have no idea what the vert of a ride is going to be. <laughs> for for anyone that wasn't at this Swift ride, there was a ride last year where, you know, like the Japan routes had just been created. I, I don't even remember this happening. So oh, dude, this, this it was a race that we had. It was like the rail t- rails and rooftops or whatever. The the one where you hit the hill kind of hard and it just yeah. ramps up to like 12% for, I don't know, five to 10 minutes. And we were on like lap number four and I think we were doing like eight and we had, I don't know, like 1500 feet of vert. And I was like, Oh yeah, we're for sure going to get like 4,500 feet of vert. <laughs> I just remember the chat went, went silent. Like nobody said anything for like, like 30 wait seconds. a sec. Let me check those numbers. Let me check those numbers. <laughs> and it wasn't until like the second to last lap. I was like, Hey, so I'm dumb. And, uh, it's actually not right. <laughs> I remember like Andy compass and like Clark, they were like, yeah, man. Nice. <laughs> not even close. Yeah, I like to believe that I am somewhat decent with numbers in my in my job. But when I have cycling brain and we're it's you know six in the morning and we're already our heart rate's already over one seventy, I can't I can't think. So it's bike math. You just got to blame it on that. Good old bike math. Yeah, so fun, so fun. All right, Chris. Any questions for uh, Ryan about before we move on to loaded Jeff? No, no, I think, um, I mean, obviously super driven person. Um, you know, I, I think that you put a lot of, uh, work and just a lot of love into everything you do. And I think that's really admirable. So I'm, uh, really excited to, you know, to hear everything that you're doing and accomplishing. No, I appreciate it. And another thing that I love about joining the team as young as I have, and I say young, you know, comparatively to most guys join when they're mid thirties, forties is just all the examples that I have from you guys, right? Like I can look to any side when I'm on a, on a ride with you guys and see, you know, you two, Stu, Chris, Jake, Shaw, Sharp, you know, like I got an endless laundry list of guys who all put in the work and, and show this model behavior of someone who's dedicated to their families, dedicated to writing and, and, and put their all in everything they do. And so I attribute a lot of who I am to those that I'm around because I, I do feel like I can look and just absorb all the good that you guys do. And it's so fun to watch. So it's, it's really one of the things that I love most about the team is just every, every example of everybody that I get to meet. So, so fun. Nice, right? That's awesome. Uh, as has been our theme over the last few episodes, we have a loaded champion in our midst today. <laughs> Uh, I interviewed Ben Brooks on Friday, three-time champ. We had Shane, who's a two-time champ. I mean, so um, Ryan won. I'll let him tell the story, but maybe let's talk about the last three races. You've got them listed here. Um, we don't have to go in. I, mean, I wrote spare no detail, but maybe just give us <laughs> give us a little bit of us uh, a bit about what happened in each race. Well, let me just first say that I can't get clumped in with Shane or Ben because those guys are <laughs> like freight trains. I mean. <laughs> I am like there on another level. So, um, yeah, just with that disclaimer, now we can discuss. So, so go listen to Todd's episode. If you haven't already, he talks a lot about the 2020 season, uh, 2020 loaded. It was so much fun. It was both his and my first time. And we, you know, ended up with a group of four of us over snake river, um, or, uh, salt river. And it was basically the four of us till the end, except for I had messed up my nutrition a little bit. So, I got dropped with like, you know, 25 miles left. So I missed the part where, uh, 
the other guy turned to Todd and goes, you know, how are we doing this ending? And Todd's like, don't be dumb. Uh, We're going to race. Right. (laughs) So I came in fourth that year and was lucky enough to stick with them for as long as I could until my legs give out, gave out. And I started hallucinating and seeing stuff. Um, Dude. Nice. And uh, so fun. Right. Why do we do that? I don't know. (laughs) Um, But 2021 was a, was a fun year. So yeah, 2020 is my first time. 2021, second time. Um, ended up with a super strong group of four fives that, uh, yeah, I think people mentioned too. It was, I think it was on Chris's, uh, Chris Johnson podcast where he talks about the guys from like Northern California that, um, Taylor Cannon's now riding with, they were all in my group and those guys just were horses. They all, I mean, those were the guys that came in under nine hours when Todd did it. Um, I ended up, you know, like 20 minutes behind them, which was still my best time by far. But I think I got 11th that year. And and sadly, that year, I was caught behind the crash that took Jake down. Um, and then mm-hmm. another one right at the beginning of the KOM, Salt River, where it was like the guy just crossed the guy in front of his wheel. And I went down one third of the way up the KOM. And so those guys were long gone by the time I got up. That's so, right. You went down two. Yeah. So I hit Three. twice. I hit the deck twice that time. Which what? Was, yeah. Yeah. Oh Still finished. Wow. Still finished, but I had bloody hands, bloody legs. It was, it was a, a test for sure. Um, and then, yeah, this last year, um, we, we were a mixed group. So we had the cat fours, there was like 15 of them. And then we yeah. had like 35, 40 cat four fives. Huh. Um, and I was in the cat five, four five group. And, uh, I didn't know too many people in there. I knew a guy from Draper that I'd ridden with last year. And then Ed, um, smart Charles little brother was in there so like knew we had some good riders but was hopeful that we you know would be pretty favorable for you know most of the race and sure enough coming over strawberry i look back and we had two guys setting up a pretty hard pace and i was just trying to keep them um and i look back and everybody was gone so it was eight of us left there was four cat fours and four cat four fives Mm -hmm. so we all kind of looked at each other as like coming into you know, mile 75 into Montpelier, that was the podium right there, right? For each one of our categories, um, which was fun. And then we had two guys that, I mean, there's no hate at all, but they were a little bit more cocky and decided to go off the front in Geneva. Um, yeah. Cause they were like, oh, we can keep the rest of these guys away. And so <laughs> the rest there's of us five. six looked at each other. What was that? Sorry. The four fives or fives or sorry, there four fives. One, yeah, there was one four and one four five. So it was one of each. They decided to go off at Geneva. And, huh. you know, if they had stayed away, it would have been one and one, right? So they had all the incentive in the world to work together. Um, and so the rest of us six kind of looked at each other like, all right, like, let's let them go. We can catch them. You know, we were probably a little bit too cocky as well. But we we just started to work together, us six. And then um, coming into the Thane feed zone, it was like mile 150, whatever they were still like five minutes ahead of us because we had had the moto car that was pacing and telling us, you know, the times and splits and stuff. And so that was kind of when we all started to panic. We were like, Oh, you know, they actually are (laughs) doing pretty good. This could be trouble. So, uh, we going into Alpine, we just were super quick and then coming into snake river and Hoback, eventually the moto pacer would consistently tell us the time. And we noticed it would drop like a minute every time he would tell us. So it was like, five minutes to four, four to three, three to two. And so finally caught them around mile 195. But I mean, that's, they were super close to pulling it off, which was cool. Um, But they were obviously gassed. So then the three of us 
in four or five and the three of the fours. So the six of us just kept going and those other two were just like wrecked. Um, we, uh, had a sprint finish. Um, I saw Ed and this other guy, I know Adam go a little bit soon. So I just kind of hopped on their wheel and then rode it as far as I could and then sprinted and was lucky enough to outpace them by like a bike length, which was super fun. So yeah, it was a, it was a great experience. That ain't luck, bro. <laughs> it was great, you know. But in the picture, that's the fours. Uh-huh. Yeah, there okay. was three there was three fours, so there was kind of two sprints happening at the same time. Okay. I knew I didn't need to beat the fours, so there was like one team real guy that had won it. I don't remember his name. Really nice guy. Um and then another guy from Idaho. Everybody calls him Noodle. Nice dude as well. Um, but those two were ahead of me and I knew I didn't need to beat them. So I just kind of let them go. And I looked over my shoulder, like right as I was passing the line, well, probably like a five feet before and saw that the closest four or five to me was, you know, a decent ways back. I just kind of let out this, like, let's go, you know, and (laughs) just celebrated early. And it was really fun. fun, That's awesome. Very cool. Congrats. Thanks. Yeah, it was a good, it was a good time. Ryan, you've done a bunch of racing. I mean, over the last few years, I mean, Lodge is obviously, I think the, the pinnacle for each year, but I mean, tell us about some of the other races you've done and maybe any other kind of memorable experiences or uh, maybe lessons you've learned from your racing career. Yeah. So this is an interesting topic for me because I, I do feel like the stage of life I'm in and I, you know, you guys probably feel the same way for a lot of the crit races and, and uh, shorter ones that, are around here, it starts at a time that's tough for me to justify with my family. And this kind of comes back to the balance thing is like, you know, I can go do Goshen, right. Or West mountain or whatever it is, uh, and have it start at 10 AM. And then I'm not back with my family until one or two, (laughs) or I can skip it and just focus most of my effort on Lodija and, and, and other things. And so I do feel like I haven't been able to race too much um loadage is definitely kind of the the pinnacle end of the year thing but for the most part i, I can't justify doing those um races this start mid morning so i think the the biggest takeaway is like racing is so much fun and i will get into what i've learned in just a minute but if you're ever on the fence about doing it because you're not sure about the timing that would work missing one or two races isn't going to kill you you know even missing a loadage or two if you need to for purposes of your family. Like it's not a big deal. Um, with that said though, I've been able to participate in others and have a really good time. Um, one of them that comes to mind is not a race. It was more of a ride, but it's the salt Saint relay. (coughs) Sorry. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but I have been able to participate in a couple and one of them that comes to mind that was super fun was salt the saint. And it wasn't technically a race, but, um, it was a ride that a couple of buddies of mine decided to do. And I think it was, uh, five of us, six of us, um, <clears throat> that participated in, um, just decided to take like two legs, each one of us. And, uh, so much fun, like such a, bl- a blast to do that with guys. I know everybody here obviously knows Matt Ryder, but, um, we all just would go hammer ourselves for, you know, an hour and a half and then get back in an RV that we had rented and just try to sleep or, you know, mess around a little bit <clears throat> until it was our time to go again. But, um, 
very different lessons learned on that one um, other than like loaded gen stuff. And it was just, you know, the ability to work together and try to get a team result rather than an individual result. Uh, so much fun. So much fun. That was this um, year. You guys did that this year. Yeah. Yeah. It I mean, was that, like, that was just ago. a few weeks after Lodija, right? <laughs> I remember seeing that. I'm, my legs are still like recovering. And then I'm seeing you doing these routes uh, down Same. Salt Lake I'm just like, what in the world? Yeah. It was dumb. It was dumb, but it was so much fun. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's just one of those things that with cycling, we can kind of just say, like, oh, we'll just send it and go do this, this extremely stupid thing, which is ride through the middle of the night, which I had never <laughs> done. Um, which I, no one had told me that when you're riding in pitch black and you look behind you, it's like you almost get a sense of vertigo because you don't know what's up and what's down. Yeah. So much fun. Um, but I think that learning to kind of lean on everybody else and, and be able to like help, help when people needed help and, you know, go draft them and do all this stuff was something that I learned that I thought that was super, super fun. But, uh, you know, I think one of the largest things that I've learned throughout all the races that I've done is and this is definitely what we've touched on in past podcasts and what the tbd guys have just talked about but it really is more about friendships and, and the experiences that you have along the way you know the thing about it is reflecting over like a loadage of win or you know getting fourth on my first time is fun but you know a couple of years from now end of next year nobody's going to remember that or nobody's going to like talk about that that's that's the way it should be because people will talk about the way that they made you feel you know, I met one of those team real guys and I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he was, he get, he said to me at the end of last Lodija, you know, that he, he goes, I appreciate your wheel because it was super consistent. You didn't do anything stupid. You were strong. You, you know, you kept a good pace. And then this other guy, um, the, the noodle guy that I mentioned, his name is Brandon, but everybody calls him noodle. He goes, yeah, you know, I just, thanks a ton. And so he texts me afterwards because, Hey, you know, when you sign up next year, let me know what cat you're in. I'd love to ride with you again. And I think it's so fun to see the friendships that have been developed through racing and riding. But, but in this specific question that you asked, just the, the friendships that are developed are way more important than like the TBD guys said, any, any podium you could ever get. Hmm. Um, and that's fun. So. I agree. I love that. So true. Um, do Chris, Chris has a really good question. He wants to ask. He's really good. Yeah, no, I think, you know, Ryan, as we've gotten to know each other better and like, I think about, you know, 2019, when we first started riding, we both like had no idea what we're doing and we're just hanging on for dear life. Um, and it's been fun to see, you know, both of us, but, you know, specifically for you, see you develop into such a strong cyclist over the last, uh, last few years. Um, obviously you weren't always one of the fastest ones, uh, when you first started. So I'm just, I'm asking this more for, cause I'm curious to know your, your take on this, but also there's a lot of guys, I think on the team that are probably in that same boat right now. They're, they're just kind of getting started. And you've mentioned, you've, you've introduced some people. I think we all have some friends that we know they're just getting started into cycling. Um, I mean, tell us a little bit of what it was like, what it was like for you at the beginning when you first joined the team, you weren't the first one to the top of any Canyon or any climb. Um, how did you deal with that? And how did you keep going? What motivated you to keep going? Well, let's just get one thing straight. I'm still not one of the first ones up there. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm, I'm way behind you guys. No, I, it's, it's all fun. I, I think that that was another part of the allure, right? Like originally where I kind of put Midwelly on a pedestal, because when I did first start riding, I'd see all these guys who had these times and would do all this stuff and like 
would just take off and feel like, are, you know, I would sit there and think like, are they even trying? Like they're not even breathing, you know? And yeah, when uh, whistling like some church oh, man. Like pushing 300 Watts climbing up some Canyon. <laughs> it, it must've been that same Mill Creek, right? That Stu mentioned earlier, he was just whistling and we're already at like 4,000 feet of, of vert. And I'm like, this guy's chilling. And I'm over here busting a lung to keep up like <laughs> oh i got a flat yeah. tire guys oh my tires are flat. <laughs> oh my dad's gonna come pick me up oh sorry <laughs> no um you know it, it, it's funny because because i i do have that competitive nature i feel like when something doesn't come as quickly as i hope or want it to it, it it's frustrating for me uh so that first you know the first little while when i was getting dropped and and wasn't quite reaching the the level that I thought and wanted to be. It was frustrating and I was really bummed out, but um, I would see guys pull up with these nice bikes and then just go hammer. And, and, you know, I was always like, yeah, I want to be that right. Like I, that's where I want to be. And, and I mentioned that like those guys are incredible people, right? Like it's, it's you guys, it's, it's everybody else that's out hitting it. Um, but I think I learned that everything comes in waves, right? So, you know, you might not be the fastest at any given time sprinting or, you know, in any gradient over a certain percentage, but I just think that the, the, there is no excuse for, or there's no replacement for hard work and dedication, right? Like nothing's going to come easy and nothing's going to change unless you change it yourself, you know? And that's kind of the input there, the, the outlook on life that I've always had is like, if you want to accomplish anything, you're not going to be able to <clears throat> do it without putting in the effort. Um, and so surely, you know, uh, sure and steady, you know, wins the race, right? It's like you get, you get baby steps every time you go out and ride, like maybe, you know, you'll beat your Mill Creek time or you'll beat your, your time up a certain Canyon. And you'll notice that you do that, like, you know, consistently. And, and then those just compound, right. It's just compounding wins. So uh, I think my biggest advice for anybody that would come out and would maybe see people that are faster and, and, you know, have a certain level of skill that they don't necessarily have, you'll get there, you know, like this guy's been doing it for 10 years. And that was one thing I didn't understand is like, I was 27, 26. And I was comparing myself to guys that have been doing it for 15 years. Yeah. And, and it just, it's just all comes with progression. So. Nice. So true. Good point. I, I remember. It was, one, it was one of the first years and we had just ridden, I think, Big Cottonwood on a Tuesday, Little Cottonwood on a Thursday. And I just remember being so tired, like just wanted to die tired. And I just look over to Jake at the time and I was like, how do these guys, like guys like Stu, like how do they just do this? And like they're probably going to go do the PC loop tomorrow, right? And I just remember feeling just like, like I just couldn't even relate at all. And And, you know, one thing that Jake said that really stood out that I've always remembered is like, got to remember like Stu has 30, 40,000 more miles on his legs than you do. And like, we're all starting from a different point and you just got to remember that. And it's more of, I think a, a kind of a battle against, not a battle, but kind of like a, a challenge against yourself. Right. And, and getting your yeah. own PR, your own, you know, for continued progression. Yeah. I think that's really wise words, what you said, Ryan, just the kind of consistency of, of what you've done over the, over the last few years to get you to where you are. Um, I'm curious, you know, as far as like, as you look into the future, um, you know, obviously you have your family now and, and things are a little different than when you started a few years ago, but you know, what are your plans look like? What are your goals 
as you uh, continue to develop as a cyclist. Yeah. You know, this is so ingrained in, in uh, I would say all three of our lives now, but for sure mine, that it's one of those things that you just can't sell, right? Like it's an addiction, it's a way of life and, and moving forward, I don't really see anything changing in, in my life that would make it so that I can not ride a bike, right? because I don't foresee myself not wanting to. And so it's like, this is just something that's going to remain consistent in my life so that I can remain healthy. I can do all the original goals that I had, plus continue my pro progression into a stronger rider. And uh, so moving forward, like I look at it and I say, you know, I'm going to keep consistent doing the races that I do and doing the, the rides that I do. And I'll obviously switch it up every year. Like eventually I'll get a gravel bike and get a mountain bike and do all that that's stuff. But cool. Yeah, eventually I will. But uh, <laughs> right now I'm just sticking to the road and uh, mostly just because I still need to convince my my wife that uh, I need more than one bike still. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the thing about it is like, yeah, I do see foresee this just remaining consistent. But I also recognize that while I don't think anything major will happen and, and change in my life, I, I know stuff happens like maybe with another kid or, or other things going on. There might be Saturdays when I'm at soccer games and stuff like that. And I think that that's awesome. Like, I think it was Corby's podcast when he said, you know, it comes in phases of life. Right. And so when I'm 30 to 35, maybe Saturday rides, I can't do the PC loop every Saturday, you know, and, and that's okay. I'll still train just as much as I can and do this stuff as much as I can. And most importantly, contribute to the team as much as, you know, I, I can and, and do all that stuff. But like I said, it comes back to what's most important. Right. And that's, family and responsibilities. And if those are all good, then I'll keep going. So it's like, I don't foresee anything really changing like that, but always open to what my family needs. So. Nice. Love it. He's going to hold his 2023 goals close though. You don't share those. Sometimes those are. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I haven't, you know, maybe I should set more goals. I'm just kind of like, I just want to go out and have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing fun about a sub 45 Marzak to guardsman segment. There's nothing fun. What about a sub 40? Oh, no way. What? <laughs> I just, just raised the bar there. Okay. I'm uh, just kidding. We'll see. I don't even know if that's possible. <laughs> I think I've seen Corby do a what, 42. Oh, yeah. And that was the day that he just bolted. Oh, man. Okay. All right. We got a transition here. We've already been going through some advice. I know we've worked through a bit of this already. Anything else? I mean, I know Chris wants to ask about young riders, but anything else, um, Ryan, you know, as you're meeting new young guys coming into the sport, um, yeah. I mean, what else, any other advice you'd share from what you've learned over the last couple of years? Yeah. So specifically for young riders, I think you just need to focus on, you know, if I was talking to them, I'd say you need to focus on what makes you happy, right? If this is what makes you happy and you can find it, find it sustainable in your life, then that's what will stick. Right. But if it doesn't make you happy, if it does, if you don't wake up in the morning and even though it's 5am and you haven't gotten enough sleep and you got to go meet at a stop sign at 525, yeah. you know, you still want to go out and do it. Then that's, you know, what's going to, going to sustain you. And I think Zwift not expecting routes. too. Oh that's yeah. Oh, Zwift routes. Doing the PLR full or RL or whatever it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, no, you're fine. So I, I don't know. I just think, I think not expecting too much of yourself to begin with, um, finding what works for you. And then if that is joining a team and, you know, becoming so addicted that you can't even help it, then 
then great, you know, but, but always do what is worth it for you. And I think one thing that I haven't, you know, discussed too much is just how much, uh, cycling and exercise, but specifically cycling, uh, is, uh, like how much of a stress reliever it is. Um, I think with everything in my life that has happened so far, um, between, you know, in, in, in 2019, my oldest brother died, uh, he passed away and that was the same year that my oldest son was born. Well, it was 2018. No. Yeah. 2019. Sorry. Um, um, it, 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 cycling carried me through probably one of the hardest times of my life. And, and I attribute so much of what I am as a man to, you know, just being able to get on the bike and relieve some stress. Um, and that's been so great to have an outlet like that. So I think it's, it's such a great outlet and, uh, you know, moving forward, I think it will, it, you know, if you were a young rider just getting into it, just making sure that they understand you know, this can be the greatest outlet to relieve stress and anything you got going on. So, yeah. Yeah. Ryan mentioned earlier, it was really tough. Um, losing his brother. It wasn't, um, do you want to talk about it at all, Ryan? Like, um, yeah. what happened to him? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I'm an open book. So, um, I think this might play into a little bit why I was called the golden boy, right. Growing up because, um, so my, my brother was, um, nine years older than me. And he, uh, got into some, you know, pretty, pretty gnarly stuff when he was younger, but when he was 20, um, he broke his femur actually backcountry skiing. Um, and it ended up putting him on oxycodone at the time. I think it was oxycodone <laughs> and, uh, it just kind of led him to, uh, the, the world that was opiates. Right. Um, and it was kind of at the height of the time when doctors were just subscribing it, like, or prescribing it like candy. And he got, he got hooked and ended up having quite a long battle with it. Um, and then eventually just, um, passed away in 2019. Uh, and growing up, you know, I saw that when, when I was from a very young age and kind of saw the way that it affected him and it affected the family and stuff like that. And, and, you know, I'm very fortunate because I do feel like I have the ability to learn from the actions of others pretty, you know, pretty, uh, easily. And so, I was able to look at, at his life and the things he was doing and kind of apply it to my life and say, okay, so if this is the result from doing the bad, the wrong thing, then let's test out and see what the result of doing the right thing would be. And, <laughs> and, and it, it always resulted in immense happiness and joy in my life, just as I saw, and it really boils down to why I have so much determination and, uh, you know, consistency in, in cycling and life now is, is I see what hard work and determination to do the right thing is, whether it's doing right by your family, by cycling, by your job and the results that it, that it brings you. And so it's like, I kind of let the, the, you know, uh, consequences speak for themselves, whether it be right or wrong. And so, you know, I, I think as I got into cycling and 2019 was probably two or three years into my cycling, you know, life career, it, it that was kind of the point where it transformed into not just a hobby, but an obsession because I saw just how much stress relief it can be and how much of an outlet to happiness it can be. So really, really awesome to, and it was simultaneous with finding the group. So it was like, I saw all these guys, I had so many great examples and it was, you know, a lot of times I didn't mention like how helpful people were from, you know, just friendship and camaraderie on a ride to carry me through a day that might've been tough, you know, after my brother passed away. So I owe so much to the team in that sense. 
it was really uh really cool. Nice, Ryan. Ryan wrote in this little Google doc, he says, much of my motivation has stemmed from seeing the different sides of life when you do the right things as opposed to the wrong things. Tough lesson, dude, but man, like your wife said, you're always just positive and super kind, but that's that's a tough thing to come out of the other side on. So big kudos, dude. Nice job. Yeah. That's tough. You know, and if and if anybody has dealt with similar things, whether it be, you know, death of a sibling or or anything in that manner, they they can attest that coming out the other side, it only makes you stronger when you find what what really carries you. So hmm. it's it's awesome. Nice. I think Charles, well, we got hashtag Charles here, pedal therapy. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Similar. Chalk coined the phrase. <laughs> Pedal therapy, man. It's real. Yeah. Chris, any other questions for Ray? No, I mean, just on, I mean, thanks for sharing that story, Ryan. I mean, I think one thing I've learned, especially I think over the last few years is um, the more you get to know people, the more you realize how imperfect their lives really are and, and that everyone's going through something and it's would be, kind of a disservice to yourself to, to just assume that someone's life is perfect and not reach out. And so I, I um, thank you for sharing that. And, and I think it's just important to remember, you know, as we ride with these guys that, you know, someone might be going through something and, and it's always better, I think, to err on just being kind, reaching out, asking them how they're doing, as opposed to just assuming their life's all good and dandy and they've got everything all, all together in their life. So um, kind of a good reminder. So I appreciate that you sharing that story and, and kind of helping us, understand more of what you went through and what you've taken away from that. Of course. Um, you know, I did have maybe one other question just as we wrap things up. Um, you know, I, there's, I think a lot of, a lot of guys that show up um, and they, they come to a couple rides. We have our Monday Emmy rides uh, during the warmer months and we see these guys and, and they come and they, maybe they come for a few weeks and then they stop coming. Um, and, and for whatever reason, I don't know why, um, but I, I'm curious if you have any advice for those people that maybe, you know, don't stick with it or maybe those that maybe, you know, only come for a few times. Yeah. You know, I've had a lot of guys talk to me when, you know, similar guys that are just starting and say, I don't really want to ride with you because you'll have to wait for me the whole time, you know, mm -hmm. or, or you'll have yeah. to, you know, yeah. uh, help me when I have a flat tire up Mill Creek and it's 25 <laughs> degrees, you know, and it's like, <laughs> I think, I think what I would say to those guys is there is no shame in, in recognizing that you're new or in recognizing that you might need a little extra help. I agree. Great advice. And there's times, and there's times where, you know, we're out to hit the fastest time on Marzac that we can. And there's times that we're out there having a great time with guys that we want to be with. And so if you're worried about getting dropped, if you're worried about not fitting in. If you're worried about not having the right gear, just drop all that and, and come ride because I promise you that as time progresses, you will learn the ropes and you know, you'll make what works for you work. And it doesn't have to be what works for Chris Harmon or Stuart Anderson or Ryan Welch, but it will be for what works for you. And that yeah. would be my biggest advice is like, I totally understand guys that come out and then they might not return because they feel X, Y, Z way but give it another shot because you'll be surprised with what you get out of it, which is what I've learned is like, I am never, I, I, I never, I never am. See, I let's see, what's the right way to say this. I am constantly surprised by 
every year I get something new out of the team that I didn't expect. And, and that's, you know, those guys that might come once or twice, I, I would say they're missing out on it. So if something is holding you back, talk to me, talk to any of us and we'll help you get through it and then come out more. Cause it's so fun. Nice. Right. Great question, Chris. Um, as we wrap up, I just want to commend Ryan. If you didn't know it, he's always the first one to ask me what he can do to help with kit pickup. Um, it's very commendable. He's always willing to serve. And I think it's a testament to him about what his wife said, how kind he is and, um, welcoming, uh, dude, those guys from Lodija that want to race with you again, there's a reason why, man, um, your people want to ride with you and, and be around you and, uh, just super grateful for your example, leadership on the team. So thanks, man. Appreciate it. Grateful yeah, for you. Good to be here. Thanks, man. Don't let grateful those guys, you guys, don't let those guys ride your wheel again and loaded you. No way. <laughs> don't tell them where you're riding. <laughs> uh, well, I'm grateful for you guys and I'm grateful for everybody that's set such a good example for me. You know, I, I listed a couple, but I could list a, uh, names, you know, over a hundred guys that are just part of this team. And I'm so grateful that I get to know them. So thanks guys. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, thanks, yeah, thanks guys. Love you guys. Loves. <laughs> <laughs>